Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning together Bao Shvi, the last and seventh Aliyah of Parshas. Bao, the topic is firstborns and Tfilin. We hear in this Aliyah two short paragraphs between Perak Yudgimel Pasuk Aleph to Tes Zion in our 16 Psukim. A brief overview and then we'll t- take some points to ponder. So Hashem now tells ben- to Moshe a number of um, uh, of important mitzvahs. The first is Kadesh Li Kol Bechor Peta Kol Rechem B'Vnei Yisrael that there's a sanctity, there's a sanctity of the firstborn, whether it be a human or an animal. And um, he, he, Moshe Rabbeinu tells the nation of Israel to remember this day of leaving Mitzrayim and that Hashem took us out in the month of spring with great strength. When we go to the land of the, of the Canaanite nations, then the, we're going to, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu says, make a festival for seven days to do the, this, this, festival, the, this festival of Matzos. And we will eat these matzahs for seven days and not eat chametz. This is the command that Moshe Rabbeinu received from Hashem, which he now gives to the nation of Israel. And when your children, and you'll tell your children the day that because of this, Hashem did for me when I left Mitzrayim. And then he reminds them of doing this mitzvah called tefillin. Um, it is placed in your hand to remind, us, to remind us that Hashem took us out with a strong hand as well. Then we hear more details about the mitzvah of, of, uh, of the holiness of a firstborn. That when we come to the land of the Canaanites, Hashem tells us, uh, Moshe tells us that, that we're going to um, um, bring the firstborn to Hashem. Uh, and that means to say there is going to be, whether it be any kosher animal, and if it's a, uh, not a non-kosher animal, if it's a, a specifically a donkey, it has to be uh, redeemed with a seh. And if it's not redeemed, it has to have its back broken. Um, and when your children say, what's all this about? This is the second child asking here. This is the what the Chazal understand is the time. And the first one was the Sharia De'elishal in this Aliyah. Then you'll explain that Hashem took us out of Egypt and killed all the firstborns. And that's why we are doing this. And then there, there's a repetition of the mitzvah of Tfilin again. Tfilin appears twice in this Aliyah. And to these two paragraphs are two of the four paragraphs put in the, the, the actual turn in itself as well. A few basic ideas to question, to ponder. One is, what is this idea of Pejad Bechor, of having the firstborn born being redeemed? So the Sefer Achenoch says to remind us of two things. Number one is to remember that Hashem killed the Egyptian firstborns and saved ours. But another aspect of it is a demonstration of our relinquishing of power to God, being His servants. When you invest in something, you put a lot of effort in, you have a farm, you plant, you grow animals, you breed them, you take care of them. When you a person, when when the uh, when a person, uh, when a family comes together, and they they conceive a child, and they go through so much so much so much work and suffering. The the the, the woman who who bears that child gives of her own energy for nine months to a child, and then you take this first firstborn, and we're told it's not really yours. It's an element you have to give back to our Kodesh Baruch It's a sign of relinquishing of power. The most, your first of your toil, the first of your fruits, is much more precious because you put it's so special that you give that to our Kodesh Baruch And Svarna actually points out. The Rav Vadya says that there's a certain holiness imbued in every entity, in every um, firstborn, because Hashem saved the, 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 the firstborns of Israel, who should have really died on that night when all the firstborns of Egypt were killed. That being the case, we're redeeming that latent Kedusha, or otherwise that person or that animal would not be able to work in the field, would not be able to be involved in mundane activities of life. Yaakov Kamenetsky asks in the last essay in this parasha, is that, so how does that work then exactly? 
why is that a celebration? Why is a pigeon a pigeon a ben for a, for a, a young boy who's born, first born, reg, uh, natural birth? Why is that such a celebration? Um, we should be mourning the loss of Kedusha. So the, the Rav Yaakov Kavanetsky explains that it's because of the celebrating of the return to this world. That in a certain sense, Kedusha is very important, but we discharge that Kedusha in order to be able to engage in a very complex world around us. And that's what the goal of this all is as well. Why is spring necessary for Pesach? Again, there's an emphasis here with this being in the Chodesh Aviv, in the spring setting. So on the one hand, this is the converging of the solar and the lunar calendar. The solar, your solar year, the solar calendar is based on the amount of time it takes for the, the earth to revolve around the sun, which is 365 and a quarter days. And the months are created by the moon, which is the amount of time it takes the moon to circuit to the earth, which is 29 and a half days. You add 12 of those 29 and a half days up and you get 354 days, which is 11 shy of the solar year. So um, essentially, if we were to have a solar year, it would be working a different operation than if we were to have a lunar year. The lunar creates the months, the solar creates the years. Certain calendars, like the Christian calendars, basically ignore the the lunar cycle and only work with the solar year. And the months are kind of averaged, 30 and 31s already kind of trying to sort of like just filling in the extra days in order to have the, the nominal 12, but they really they have nothing to do with anything about the, the, the to do with the moon. The Muslim calendar is the opposite, which takes only the lunar. It doesn't take into account the solar. So that's why, as an example, you see Ramadan switching back 11 days every year into different seasons. Whereas the Jewish calendar is meant to be this ebb and flow. Today we have a 19-year calendar where we ensure that, that Pesach is always in the spring. Why is that? So it's per- perhaps it's reflecting the idea that there are certain energies in time. Time is cyclical, not linear. And when we come back to the season, this is the season of spring. It's the season of renewal, of rejuvenation, of finding the life hidden deep, embedded into something which seems to be dormant. That's the time where physically the world is doing that and spiritually the world is also doing that as well, which is why the nation of Israel could escape and find freedom, find nationhood at the time as, uh, and it's reflected in, uh, in spring. How does Tefillin relate to Exodus? Why is this a mitzvah which is repeated twice in the context of leaving Mitzrayim? Soloveitchik says that to be able to proclaim the unity of Hashem, which is what Tefillin is, we have Shema Yisrael in it, to be able to talk about Hashem in this world, you need to be free. If you have so many limitations, if you're not able to have the wherewithal, the space to be able to think, to breathe, to consider, then you're just not going to be able to proclaim fully the unity of Hashem. So it's an expression of freedom, freedom of choice, freedom of perspective. Rosh has another perspective as well, where he shares that when Hashem killed the Bukhorim, the firstborns of Egypt, the, our actions day are many micro-miracle expressions of what the miracles were in those days. So like Hashem killed the firstborns, we redeem our firstborns, that's the one mitzvah aliyah. Like Hashem took us out with an outstretched arm of might, we lay the tefillin on our arm as well. Um, as well. So these are the reflections of the physical expression of the miracle. So it at least will help trigger us to think about this as well. And perhaps when we leave our own Meitzarim, our own boundaries, our own Mitzrayims in our lives, we need control over our actions, thoughts and feelings, which is the three organs that the tefillin actually relates to. It relates to the arm, the head and the heart. We put a, t- a tefillah on our arm, we put a tefillah on our head and the one on the arm is leaning towards the heart, metaphorically, what we do, what we think, and what we feel. Notice that we don't have a tefillah wrapped around our chest um, near our heart, rather it's by the arm, because the emotions are the hardest to regulate. And perhaps it comes back to the Chinuch's idea that in order to be able to get to our feelings, we need to regulate our actions, which is why the one in our arm is which points towards the heart, if we get that right as well. Another question is, why in this aliyah is the firstborn donkey redeemed or destroyed? So the Chinuch says, because the Egyptians 
were compared to donkeys in Yechezkel. Yechezkel talks about the Egyptians as, as, as Zirimas, uh, there's a description of how they are like, likened to donkeys. Um, what does that mean? Is that, that, that sounds very disparaging. So the Maral explains the word chamor actually comes from the word chomrius, chomer, materialism. The Egyptians were the epitome of materialistic society. Hashem destroyed that society, the expression, the greatest powers in that society, the Bechorim. And what we remember is symbolically we would take a chamor, which is this notion of materialism, we sublimate it. This is the, this is the idea we're supposed to remember even beyond the realm of kosher animals. Finally, one last question to think about in this idea, um, and that is, is why are there so many different mitzvahs which relate to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, to the Exodus? There are so many different mitzvahs which are Zecher Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim on our daily life. Why is that the case? Rabban explains that at the time of the, ex the, the exile in Egypt, there were three, and there still today, are three different types of denial of God. The first is the most basic denial of God, that God really doesn't exist. There's, uh, there's other powers in the world as well. The world was always was here. You know, the, the, the God is not there. So that's, that, that's what we'll call the most gross expression of it. But then there are those who say, you know, God could have created the world, but, you know, does he really know? Does he care? Does he, he, does, he, does he get involved? You know, he, he went out to do other things afterwards as well. That's, a separate, that's so to speak, exceeding that God, there is God, but he's not around now. And then there's one of those who say, no, he knows what's going on, but does he, does he have the power and the ability to be able to be mashkiach and have providence over every detail, every blade of grass, every action and interaction? That's, a, that, that's another denial. So three levels of denial. Denial of the existence of God, or perhaps that, that's number one. Perhaps the ex acknowledgement of the existence of God, but that he doesn't know or care. That's number two. Or perhaps the acceptance that he knows and cares, but he doesn't have the ability to be able to orchestrate all the details. That's the third level. So Ramban says that Egypt was an experience, was the was the demonstration, was the, 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 the college of uh, understanding godliness. And that's why you'll see three expressions in, the, in and amongst the plagues. The one is, Leman Teda Kila Hashem Haaretz. You should know that Hashem has the earth, meaning Hashem was the creator. Among the earth, which means to say that he knows, he is mashkiach, he, he can see. And I want to do is that I am the power, I have the ability to be able to do what it is in this world that I want to do. So the, these are the three expressions to, to correspond to these three denials. The Ramban points out that it, it's, not, it's not apt that any, you know, um, corrupt individual will say, if God were to speak to me today, I would believe in him. No, that's not how God operates. He doesn't do a tap dance because you want to be able to see it. That's not how God operates. There was a particular time in history where God demonstrated these three principles that Egypt and the world had denied. That God exists, God knows, and God has the ability to um, orchestrate every detail in the world. He demonstrated those incandescently. And in fact, if you look at the plagues, you'll see where these expressions, where these uh, expressions are near Hashem, um, we'll see how they, the patterns they form in these Eser Makos. That being the case, um, then Hashem did this once in history. He's not going to do this at any time that somebody decides they want to feel godliness. But therefore the Torah, what the Torah did was it, it created a system, many mechanisms through which we would remember that experience because it was so powerful, it was so meaningful, it was so necessary. Therefore, throughout the rest of history, every time we do a particular mitzvah, you say, this is about the exodus in this particular way, we are reminding ourselves of these three values of the existence of God in these three domains as well. The Ramban famously says here at the end of the parasha, when a person is willing to acknowledge the large, the large miracles which are conducted through the exodus, then a person will be able to understand that every detail of one's life, in fact, is a hidden miracle as well. Very, very powerful description over here of the day-to-day -day involvement of Hashem in our lives. This is a meaningful way of closing our earlier and our passion. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day and a fabulous Shabbat.